Hey guys, my name is Noah Berrigan and I am the pastor of our college young adults ministry at Crossroads. I just wanted to take this moment to welcome you to our podcast. We're about to start a series called Guardrails and guardrails in our lives could serve as boundaries to save us from disaster. I hope you enjoy the series. How you guys doing tonight? So good. Before we get started, I just want to say welcome. Um, do me a favor. We're completely out of chairs. So will you do me a favor and just... Uh, fill the chairs that are in between you. I know that uh, uh, there's still a lot of open spaces, but I want to leave room for people that are still showing up. But man, if you're brand new, I just want to say welcome. I've seen a lot of brand new faces, and um, I want to welcome you. Uh, tonight is a, a very special night. It, it's become one of my favorite nights of the week. Uh, it's our college young adults ministry. Uh, and uh, I just want to say welcome. Maybe it's your first time back in a really long time. Uh, welcome back to church. But if you're part of SIA and this is your weekly gathering, I am so excited to be back with you guys. And um, I, uh, I know with the room this size, uh, I, don't, I don't know what you're going through specifically, but I want you to know this, that uh, this whole church thing is so much more than just showing up. Uh, we believe that Jesus makes us better for life. And we do believe that um, when you discover who he is, that he changes your life for the better. Uh, he didn't come to start another religion. He came to give you life and give it to you in abundance. And tonight we're gonna discover that he wants us to thrive in every single area of our lives. Why? Because if you didn't know this before tonight, I want you to know that he's for you and that he cares about what you're going through. And um, we're in for an incredible night. So what I wanna do is I really want to uh, start tonight by praying and uh, asking God to continue the work that he's already doing in our hearts. Can we pray? Uh, Lord, uh, we praise you and we thank you, God, for who you are. I thank you so much, God, for what you're doing in all of our hearts. And um, I do thank you for how compelling your message is, that you're for us and that you know everything that we're going through. You know every sin that we've committed, God, and you love us the same. Uh, I pray, God, that if um, people came tonight ever doubting that, that tonight, God, they would see that there's a, a heavenly father that's for them. But I do ask, God, that tonight... Uh, would just bring so much truth to all of us. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. amen. You guys awake tonight? Yeah, okay. I love that. So um, I, I got a question for you. Have you ever been a, in a situation where you felt like you couldn't catch your breath? A while back, um, my friends and I, we went out and we were wakeboarding and water skiing and, um, and we were out on the boat and we were doing that for uh, what seemed... Uh, like like the majority of the day. And uh, my friend Ricky, he uh, was trying to get the rope over to one of my other friends and he throws a rope over the, over the side of the boat and all of a sudden his motor makes this crazy sound and I'm like, what just happened? Uh, the propeller actually grabbed the rope and it got stuck in the motor. And it took us a really long time to figure out how we were gonna get that thing unstuck because we're in the middle of a lake. So we took turns. He would go under the boat and he would unravel some of the rope and then he'd come back up and then I'd go under and we, we did this for a while. And one of the times as I'm holding my breath, I'm underwater and I'm unraveling the rope and I got a lot of it out. And as I'm on my way out of the water, the rope wraps around my neck and I'm about a foot away from the surface and I can't break the surface. And I had to slow down because I borderline panicked and I didn't know if I was going to make it. 
And, um, and finally, I, 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 I was able to break loose and pull the rope around my, ne- my, my, my neck, and I broke the surface, and I'm like, <gasps> and Ricky looks over at me, and he sees what just happened. He goes, bro, we would have lost you. You were so close to the surface, and we had no idea you were struggling. And I'm like, <gasps> I don't want to hear it, right? And I'm like over here trying to regain my composure. And um, I almost died. And as I began to think about that, I feel that um, in a similar way that life could be that way for a lot of us. We, we feel like we, we can't catch our breath. We feel like we're, we're, we're trying to break the surface. We're, we're trying to find hope. We're, we're trying to find victory, but yet we feel like we're drowning. And I'm here to tell you tonight that God wants you and I to live a life that is so freeing that we would not have to walk around feeling like we're a foot underwater because God has created us to experience an abundant life. And uh, last week, we, we started a series called Guardrails. And tonight's week two of this series. And, and just to, to give you guys some background, if you're brand new, or, or maybe, uh, maybe you forgot about what we talked about last week, uh, this idea of a guardrail uh, is it's a system designed to prevent vehicles from moving to dangerous areas or areas that are out of bounds. A lot of us don't even notice where there's guardrails until we actually need one, right? Uh, guardrails are designed to create a smaller accident, and when you hit a guardrail, you might bump, uh, you might, you might dent your bumper or your door, but you won't fall off a cliff. And um, and we, we learned that the road wasn't the only place that we needed guardrails. Because as you and I navigate guardrails in our lives, guardrails could serve as boundaries that could save us from disaster. And uh, some of our biggest regrets in life could have been avoided if we had guardrails in our lives. And we began to ask the question, what would it look like to have guardrails in every area of our life, in our relationships? In our finances, in our health, in our mental health. At the end of the series, I have my friend Julie Wilson. She's going to come and really, really talk about mental health and how you and I could put uh, up guardrails or we could be great friends to those that struggle with the mental health thing. But we, we began to ask that question. Maybe, maybe you're brand new and um, uh, you're, you're navigating Christianity. You have no idea what it's all about. Let me... Um, let me introduce you to the idea that, uh, that Christianity is not about a set of rules. It's not meant to restrict your life, and it's not intended to tie you down. No, when, um, uh, and a lot of people think this way. They believe that if they become a Christian or if they, if they commit their lives, then, then God's going to take away all of their fun. But what I want you to understand that God cares about every single area of our life. And through scripture, we see certain guardrails that he wants us to have so that we don't ruin our lives. And what you truly learn is that, that, that Christianity is actually about freedom. And God desires you and I to experience freedom, an extraordinary life. If that's the case, why is it that a lot of us that claim to be Christ followers aren't experiencing freedom? we still feel like we're a foot underwater. When in fact, 1 Corinthians 2 says, this is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God prepared for those who love him. 
So tonight, I want to talk about the second guardrail. And we'll talk about this idea of a guardrail in the area of finances. Now, before you tune me out, I want you to think about something. The two biggest topics in our culture today are sex and money. You'll hear the sex talks, uh, the sex talk in February. I'm not, I'm not even going to cover it during this series, but sex and money. And isn't it true that for a lot of people, our greatest regrets probably revolved around these two areas? I bought what I shouldn't have bought. I crossed the line where I shouldn't have crossed the line. But here's the thing. I believe if we could get this one area of our lives down, it could keep us from disaster in the future and set us up for an incredible life of freedom. Now, I understand that this topic isn't always sexy. All right, um, but if I'm, if I'm honest, I really do wish that someone would have coached me in this area when I was a lot younger. Why? Because I haven't always been the best in the area of finances. I cleared out a retirement fund. I pulled out $40,000 and have zero to show for it. I dropped like $8,000 on a car that I no longer own. I've made a lot of dumb decisions. In fact, my wife will tell you that, is she, that she is so glad that I took a lot of my lumps when I was younger because it set us up for some type of success in our marriage. Now, I'm, I wanna put a disclaimer out there. I'm not completely debt-free yet. I still owe on school loans, but that's our only debt that we have, that in our house. But if you ask my wife, she would say, I'm so glad that you took your lumps early in life. But I know that for a lot of us, maybe, maybe you're a college student, you're like, pastor, I don't even have money. I don't even know if this applies to me, right? <laughs> but here's the tension. Whenever we talk about money in church, some of you, you, I want you to pay attention to what you're feeling inside because for a lot of us, you're like, ah, man, the church just wants my money. And I get that. This tells me that for a lot of us, there's probably a faith issue that some of us haven't trusted Jesus in this area of our lives when it has to do with finances or we haven't understood God's plan in this area. Some of you guys might even be thinking this because I saw that a lot of you guys brought friends tonight, tonight and you guys are like, oh my gosh, out of all nights, I brought my friend to this sermon? Why don't we talk about something a little bit more relevant like faith and prayer? and maybe miracles. But what I want you to understand is that when it comes to your finances, God wants something for you, not from you. And having guardrails financially is not about avoiding bankruptcy or even staying out of debt. It's something so much deeper than that. It's about freedom because God doesn't want you drowning in debt. He doesn't want you to feel like you're, you're, you're a foot underwater when it comes to this area of your life. Because according to Jesus, it doesn't matter how much we have. What's important is that you and I have a guardrail in place so that we're in charge of our money and our money is not in charge of us. We call this stewardship. That God has blessed us with everything we need pertaining to life. And he's called us to be great managers, great stewards of what he's given us. I want you to think about something. Jesus talked more about money than just about anything else, right? In the Bible, there's approximately 500 verses on faith. 
How many of you guys would say, isn't that foundational to who we are? Faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God. That's important. There are 500 verses on that. Approximately 500 verses on prayer. And this is foundational to what we do. At Crossroads, our team, and we, we tend to want to pray before we plan. Why? Because we want to invite God into every decision that we make. There are 2,000, over 2,300 verses on money and possessions. 16 of the, eight, uh, of the 38 parables have to do with money and possessions. Jesus talked about money more than he did about sex, Heaven or hell? And I believe there's a reason for that. I believe that Jesus talks about this area so much because he understood how it impacts our lives. And because the way we spend our money matters to God. Now, think about this, church. Wouldn't you agree that Jesus' teaching in the area of finances is just as freeing and life-giving as all the other areas that he talks about? If he talks about faith and healing and hope and, and, and the plan that he has for us, and there are, are approximately 500 verses on those areas, don't you think that the 2,300 plus verses on finances should also bring us freedom? In fact, in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said that, um, he says the, the thief's purpose, speaking of Satan, uh, uh, Satan is uh, to steal, kill, and destroy. And, and the promise is here. My purpose is to give them a rich and a satisfying life. And I love this because this is what God knows. If he could get our money, he could get to our hearts. And Satan, his purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. Did you know that you have an enemy trying to rob you in this area of your life? For those of you dating, seriously dating, or are planning to get married, look at what 61% of marriages end in divorce and finances are usually the factor be, uh, uh, behind it. 61%, that's a high number. Huffy, Huffington Post writes this, that arguments about money is a top predictor of divorce. God understood something. In fact, 1 Timothy 6, 10 says, for the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. Now, it doesn't say that money's bad. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, right? Uh, and it says it's, it's the love of money that's the root of all evil. And many of, how many of you guys have heard this verse growing up or have heard it at, at one point in your life? They've made songs about this, right? And, and, um, and I've always read it. And I know, okay, yeah, the love of money, it's, it's the root of all evil. But I never caught on to the second part of this passage. It says this. And some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. And as I began to look at this, I'm like, whoa, this is heavy. Because this tells me that some people will go to hell because they don't have this area right in their lives. Come on, pastor. I thought we're saved by grace through faith. Absolutely. But Jesus, in the parable of the sower, he talked about this idea that there would be a type of seed that was choked out by what? By the cares of the world. And it would keep us from being fruitful. Why? Because we're so consumed for other things and the pleasures of, these world, of this world. Why? Because we believe they'll bring us freedom. And we believe that true happiness is found in things. And Jesus says, no, it's found in me. And I care about this area of your life. And I want you to have things. I don't want your things to have you. And we need to understand how spiritual this area is. This is why you and I need a guardrail 
in the area of our finances. So this leads me to my first point. The first guardrail, uh, we need to understand that God's heart and why we need a guardrail. So the first point is this. God wants you on a path to freedom. He doesn't want you to feel like you're drowning. Point number one, God wants you and I on a path to freedom. Who needs freedom? Who needs peace? Who needs joy? That's all that God has for you. And I see, I see Jess smiling there like, heck yes. We all do, right? So he wants us on a path to freedom. And there's a principle in Proverbs that we can't avoid. Look at what it says in Proverbs 22, 7. It says, the rich rules over the poor and the borrower becomes a lender slave. So if this is true, we will be on one of two paths when it comes to our lives. I just lost my place. Here we go. A path of slavery or a path of freedom. And our financial decisions could put us on a path of freedom or a path of slavery. So don't you think it's important to have a guardrail in this area of our life? Here's a, here's a reminder. What's a guardrail? That we would have a conviction and a light should go off every time we bump up against that guardrail in our lives, right? So in the area of finances, God wants us to have guardrails. And let me make something clear, guys. I'm not talking about prosperity here, all right? Because oftentimes we confuse blessing. We confuse what a blessing looks like. And blessing was never always financial or material. Uh, the blessing is to know our creator. The blessing is to know a deeper intimacy with him, right? And, um, and by, uh, God by no means wants us to be enslaved to the lender, right? Wouldn't you agree that we live in a consume now mentality? That everyone in our culture wants to live for the moment, right? So what do they do? They pull out the MasterCard, they pull out the Visa, and they just charge it. Why? Because we try to bring out what God hasn't promised into today. We don't know what delayed gratification is. And, uh, and we live in a culture that uh, wants the bigger house, the bigger things, and I, I do believe that some of us can acquire those things if we learn what delayed gratification is. Right? In fact, Jesus actually tells us, I don't want you to look like the world when it comes to this area of your life. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing what? The way you think. In other words, don't think like the culture. You have different values if you're a Christ follower. Not that, you're, uh, that we're to be prideful or that we're better than anyone. No, he says, but don't copy their behavior. Why? Because their behavior won't get you to the blessing on what I have for your life. It says, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. God's will is always good. Amen? And pleasing and perfect. So this tells me that, that God wants to change the way that we think. It needs to start with a change of perspective. So how do we do that? I want to get super practical tonight. Can I do that with you guys? That way we can, we can experience some freedom. This is, this is what happens. When it comes to finances, this is usually the way that culture views life, okay, through this filter. Um, first, you, you'll see it come up behind me right now. You live, then you save, and then later you could be generous. Let me unpack those because later I'm going to really bring some, uh, some meat to it, but I'm going to give you a general understanding of what I mean by this. So for the, for the majority of us, uh, we, we, we structure our lives this way. We want to live, right? Uh, we put me first, and if you're like most people, you live on the first part of your earnings, what you want to accomplish, how you can move forward, you live for the moment. 
And then usually what we say is if we have a little bit left over, then we'll save. But that's not our first priority. Why? Because after I'm done with rent and food and car and the car payment and and going on the dates and and really trying to please my significant other and buying the brand new shoes and paying uh, uh, my cell phone off and doing all these things, then maybe, maybe I will put something into savings. Some of you guys are looking back and pointing fingers. Um, And then, and then, okay, so we live, we live and we put us first and we have a tendency to do that. Why? Because it's all about us. Uh, You don't even have to read the Bible to know that. That we have a tendency to put ourselves first. And then maybe we'll save. And at the end, once in a while, if I have a little bit left over, then I could be generous towards other people. And, and we could give our leftovers to God. And, and when the offering bucket goes by, we're like, here you go, fetch God, here's a dollar. Right? But God, if you're a Christ follower, God wants to be taught value in your life and in my life. So he wants us to change our perspective. He says, don't copy the behavior of the world because everyone lives like this. Instead, this is the way I want you to order your life. I want you to put generosity first and then save, and then you could live on the rest. And I'll, I'll unpack this a little bit later on how practical we can get, but generosity. What does that mean? It's so that everything about our lives is about God, that he is top priority. So when he gives to us, the first thing we want to think is, I wanna give back to the Lord. Everything that comes in, when we get blessed for our birthdays, when we get uh, a little bit of extra income, when we get our first paycheck, our first thought should be, how do I honor God? How do I put him first? And I promise you, this isn't only a tithing message. You're gonna see the spirituality behind it. But, but there's a promise. Matthew 6, says, put first his kingdom and his righteousness and all the things that you worry about will be added to you. But isn't it true, church, that oftentimes we worry about all the things and then go to God for the last resort? God says, no, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and I'll add all these things to your life. So savings, how many of you guys want to save money? And a lot of it. It's okay, we're a church, we can say that, right? We want to save. Why? Because life happens, things happen, and we want to be ready. If not, we're going to become the lender slave. And if we don't have a, a, a savings account, guess what? When that emergency comes, we got to pull out MasterCard. It's called MasterCard for a reason, because it wants to master your life. And here's the thing. Then what happens is that our bills tell us how to live. And our finances already have a place to go to. We're no longer managing them. They're managing us. And God's like, I don't want you living that way. I want you to have freedom. And then we live on the rest. Why? Because we have to eat. I need a roof over my head. I have to pay the bills. Living is important. But we live on what's left over. Why? Because that's God's will for our life. After prioritizing generosity and savings. But isn't it true, church, that oftentimes, because there is no guardrail, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen the new Instagram, and they're not even new anymore. It's like old school, the Disney ones that are like, and all of a sudden, like, boom, I'm Gus Gus. What the heck? And, and then you try it again, and, and, uh, and it's the next one. I'm like, what the heck? I'm Ursula. Like, you know, and, and it's random. I think that when it comes to the area of finances, a lot of us treat it that way, though. I don't know, maybe, maybe I'll say, boom, it's in the negative. 
If you don't tell your money where to go, you're always gonna wonder where it went. But what we tend to do, we adjust generosity and saving so that we can live. And God's like, no, 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 no. You adjust your living so that you could be generous and you could save. You know, um, and there's incredible freedom in this. I fell into that lie. I would live for the moment and buy everything. And I would, uh, I had the latest thing. We had a car payment and Viv and I had to make a lot of cuts in our lives so that we could experience some financial freedom. Why? Because we felt like we were underwater. And praise God, last year we paid off a car. Uh, Fabian and Heddle are completely debt-free. They just shared that with us. Uh, praise God for you guys. They were super diligent. And it's possible, right? And, and we, had a, we had to make cuts and we're, we're, we were looking at everything. Where could I cut? Where can I, where can I spend less on? Let's eat out less. And we'll look at that in a moment. But uh, the only thing we have in our home is like our utility bills and Wi-Fi. We don't have a car payment. We don't have anything extra, but we're living in freedom at the moment because we realized that we didn't want to become the lender's slave. So number one, God, it's about freedom. God wants you on a path to freedom. Number two, God wants to bless you and not curse you. You need to understand that. He wants to bless you and not curse you. I'm gonna read a lot of scripture right now, okay? So hang with me. You guys ready? Okay, so Deuteronomy 20, I love that we love the word of God, by the way. Uh, Deuteronomy 28.1, it says, if, and I'm gonna stop right there. There's an if there. It means that if, if I do something, I'm going to see a result. Look to your neighbor right now and say, if. Highlight that, circle it, okay? Circle it. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all of his commandments I am giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all of the nations of the world. This was a national promise. If, if the nation of Israel would have lived according to God's way, God says, I will set you on high. There's a lot that the United, the United States could, uh, could learn from this, right? And although it was a national promise, there's also a personal application. Look at what it says, verse two. You will experience all of these blessings if you obey the Lord. There's the word if again. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will what? Be blessed. The fruit your fruit baskets and your breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. Who doesn't want the Lord's blessing? You don't or you do? Okay, we're on the same page. <laughs> Look at verse seven. The Lord will conquer your enemies. When they attack you, they will attack you from one direction, but they will scatter from you in seven. That's amazing. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he has given you. If you obey the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, the Lord will establish you as his holy people as he swore he would do. That was God's promise. Then he, he, zero in on this, okay? Verse 10 then all of the nations of the world will see that you are a people claimed by the Lord and they will stand in awe of you. 
the Lord says, I am placing a guardrail on your life so that when the culture and everyone around you looks at you, they're gonna stand in awe and say, there is something different about you, including the way, because all this is talking about all of God's commandments, but specifically in the area of finances, it is a testimony to the culture around us that we have a God who provides. And he says, people will be in awe of you. It's about testimony. Though what we do with our time and what we do with our money is the most important thing about us as believers. Why? Because it tells us where our hearts are. It tells us where our priority is. And God says, people will stand in awe of you. Verse 11 says, the Lord will give you prosperity in the land he swore to your ancestors and give you a blessing uh, and he'll bless you with many children. Uh, Jennifer and Joe, here you go. Uh, many children, you guys still want more? No, not no more, they're done, okay. Um, maybe Fabian and Heddle. that's your blessing. We'll pray in the name of Jesus. No, uh, <laughs> he says, he'll, and, and back in their day, uh, having a lot of kids was a sign of blessing from the Lord, uh, right? Uh, he'll give you many children, numerous livestock and abundant crops. Verse 12, the Lord will send rain at the proper time from his rich treasury in the heavens and will bless all the work that you do. I'm gonna stop right there for a second. You notice where all of the blessing comes from? It comes from God's treasury. In a moment, we're gonna learn that everything we earn and everything we don't is actually determined by the Lord. And if we're not faithful stewards, then we're not gonna experience the blessing in the area of finances. But it says God provided that. You will lend, here's the key, you will lend to many nations but you will never need to borrow from them. Wow. God's like, I want you to live in such a way that you never have to borrow money. In fact, I want you to be so diligent with your money that you're able to be generous with other people. This doesn't matter if you're a college student. The majority of you guys are right around 25, 26 years old. And um, it doesn't matter if you're making um, six figures or if you're making a normal earning that is uh, um, a nine to five, or, or if you're making less money. No, what, what matters is what we do with that money. Because I don't need to be a millionaire to be generous. This works in the slums and it works in the palace. Why? Because it's a principle and God's ways are always right. He says, you will never need to borrow from them. If you listen to these commandments, the Lord your God, uh, that the Lord your God has given you today, and if you carefully obey them, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. God's like, I want you to lead. I want you to be the head and not the tail when it comes to your finances. I don't want your finances leading you. I want you leading your finances. And you will always be on top and never at the bottom. But you must not turn away from any of the commands I am giving you today, nor follow after other gods and worship them. God's like, I want you to have some guardrails. And it's for your benefit. And I don't want you to live like culture. In fact, God says, you're either gonna serve me or you're gonna serve money. And I know no one ever woke up and said, you know what, today I'm just gonna bow down to money and I'm gonna be like, I praise you, $100 bill. You are just so awesome. No, but it's the posture of our heart. In fact, um, this is for a whole nother sermon, but scripture actually says there is a demonic force when it comes to finances. And when you and I have the right perspective, we realize that everything comes from the Lord. And uh, God's like, I wanna bless you and I want what's best for you, but it begins with saying yes to his ways, especially when it comes to the areas of finances. But it's a focused life and we need to be all the more intentional. Um, so let's get practical. Giving, what does giving mean? You guys still with me? All right. 
Giving. Um, why do we give? This is basic, okay? Giving is a recognition of who God is. Here at the church, we start with giving God our first 10% because we recognize that everything we have comes from the Lord. And scripture in a moment we're gonna learn actually teaches us that the first 10% actually belongs to God. In fact, 100% belongs to God, but he just allows us to steward 90%. So in reality, when we're giving to God, uh, we're not necessarily giving, we're just not stealing from him because it's already his. Deuteronomy 8, 17 says, be aware unless in your heart you say my power and my might and my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. Where does it come from? That job that you have, where did it come from? You know, in those moments where you were at the end of your rope, God, please provide, please provide, please provide. I need a job. And he gave you that job. And all of a sudden you're like, thank you, Jesus. It's my job. I did this. Oh yeah, you forgot you were on your face praying that you wanted some financial breakthrough. Don't you forget that he is the one that gave you the ability to get wealth. Um, Malachi 3.10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing until it overflows. God says, tithe, try it put me to the test. Why? So that the ministry of the Lord can continue to go on and you're invested in his kingdom. So we put him first. And he says, test me. The only place in the Bible that God says, test me. Come on, I dare you. Some of you guys might be in here tonight and you're like, you know what? I tried the tithing thing. It didn't work because I tithed once. Wouldn't you agree that maybe it might take more than just one time to experience God's blessing? Some of you guys, you're in debt like crazy right now and it took you a long time to get there. Don't you think it's gonna take you a little bit longer to see some freedom in your life? What if we decided right now that every single thing we get, we would put the Lord first? What if we did this for an entire year and we try to look and see where we're at a year from now? Maybe, uh, and I wanna challenge you guys, let's all commit to say, you know what, from this day forward, I'm gonna put God first. And you could stand up at the end of the year and say, you know what, it didn't work, but at least you took God at his word and you tested it. Not because someone told you that it was a good idea, but because you read it from God's word and you put it into practice. What would your life look like? I know for a lot of us, the only time that we invite God into our finances is when we have problems, when we need a job, when we want the raise. Why not invite him into our finances before there's a problem? Think about it. Why not put him first in this area? There are so many stories that I hear from friends that they've obeyed God in this area and God came through in ways they never thought possible. You see, uh, uh, Adrian shared this with me earlier today, but he, um, he was tithing and uh, he wanted to serve more. And he asked God, he said, you know what, Lord, I, I, really want to, I really want to focus on your kingdom and my job is limiting me from being here all the time. So he began to pray differently and God gave him another job with more money where he had to work less. Crazy, right? But he saw God's favor in that. One of my friends, he has his own business and he never really tied and he lost his business. And he said, you know what? I'm gonna trust God and I'm gonna keep tithing and I'm gonna put God first. And he did it anyways in the midst of him not having an income. It was a few weeks later 
that he had this motorcycle that he sold to a friend. And his friend said, you know what? I want to buy the bike, but here's the thing. Uh, He's a pool guy now. And he says, I have 40 pools and I just don't have the bandwidth to be able to manage them all. Do you want them? And he gave them all 40 pools. And he's like, what the, I've been tithing and God multiplied his business. Now, it's not always about that. We never give to get. We give because we trust the Lord and we love the Lord. Amen? So how do we do this? Practically, what, how do we prioritize this? Number one, this is about margin. In fact, in the Old Testament, uh, God, God always had this principle in mind. He wanted his people to live with margin. Uh, back then, when they would harvest a, a field, God would tell them, you know what? I don't want you to harvest it in a square. I want you to harvest it in a circle so that anything left over uh, could be used for generosity and for you to help those in need. God always wanted us to have margin so that we could bless other people. And he did that. And you could, leave, you could read that in Levit- Leviticus 23, 22. But he wanted us to have margin for generosity, to help the needy, to help the poor, and to not consume everything for ourselves. So no, the first step to create margin, number one, is, uh, is to give to God. Let me pause right here. Most people in the church do not do this. People who love the Lord and love the church Do not do this. Why? Because they have fallen into the lie that culture has sold them. And if you're a Christ follower in here, this is my opinion. I believe that 10% of our income is the basic. That's basic Christianity. That number should eventually go up based on how God's blessed you. You know, uh, Viv and I have been positioned to be able to give a little bit more than the tithe, but eventually it should go up more. Why? Because we've learned how to live on this thing called a budget. And, um, and we need to give, give God 10%. So you, you give God 10%. Step number two, you save. I believe that God wants us to have the ability to lend to other people. So you give to God 10% and then you put 10% into savings. And if you really take to heart what God teaches in this area of finance, it'll work. Why? Because God's word, word is always true. I want you to think about this. Think about what this would mean. Do you think that if you save $200 this year, it would make a big difference in your life? You don't think so? I think so. I mean, it's basic, maybe $200. Um, I, uh, I usually try to tell people this. Uh, young, how many of you guys are living at home right now? Wow, quite a few of you guys. Let's, let's see if we could be bold about this. How many of you guys are living at home rent-free? Quite a few of you guys. Okay. I love this. I'm trying to step into your shoes. I wish somebody would have taught me this. You guys ready to go even more practical? If you guys were here a couple years ago, you probably heard me uh, explain this in a similar way, but I want to give you some handles so that you could see what your life could look like, okay? So let's just say, hypothetically, that you are living at home, you're making decent money, and you could put uh, $750 away. Let's pretend that you're saying, you know what? This is what I would pay in rent. I'm just going to put it aside. $750 in a year, you would have $9,000 in the bank, all right? In three years, you would have $27,000 in the bank, right? In five years, you would have $45,000 in the bank. And I'm not even talking about investment, guys. I'm just saying, you know what? We're putting money aside and we're being good stewards with what God gave us. 
All right, some of you guys are like, I can't put $750 away. You do the math. Uh, uh, try, to, try to work on your budget and see what you could put aside. If you're dating, here's even more practical. If you sacrifice two sushi dates, and I hypothetically said this, a month, right? That's 50 bucks plus tip, $60. You would have $120 if you sacrifice two dates a month. You would have $1,440 in one year. All right, you're like, I can't afford sushi. I can't even afford pokey. All right. How many of you guys go to Chick-fil-A? Quite a few of you guys. Let's go here. I, I, I think this number, $7.79, is that what a meal costs there? How many of you guys go once a week at least? Oh, quite a few of you. All right. How many of you guys go more than once a week? Okay, so let's just go once a week, okay? So if you did this, if you sacrificed a meal every week, um, that would be $31.16 in a month, and then you multiply that by 12, you'd have $373.92 in the bank. That's just sacrificing a meal. In and out, $6.70, you would have $26.80 in a month, times 12, you'd have $321.00 and 60 cents in your, life, uh, uh, in, in, in your savings. Well, we don't think that way. Why, because Chick-fil-A is good, huh? Um, <laughs> um, a lot of people say, man, I am too broke to travel. And I heard this a while ago, and I think it's true. I'm like, no, you just don't like to eat sandwiches, okay? <laughs> and you don't like to eat your mom's home, homemade cooking. We have bought into the lie of the world. And I'm not saying that eating out is bad, but look at, just do the math. You see how it doesn't matter how much you make? So what do we do? We, we give to God and then we have a savings. We have to have savings. Uh, if you don't have an emergency fund, usually what you wanna do is put $1,000 aside. Why? Because things happen. Flat tires happen. Broken phones happen. Things happen. And, uh, and if we don't have an emergency fund, guess what? We're gonna become a slave to the lender. We're gonna have to pull out good old MasterCard. And God says, no, 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 have, a, have an emergency fund and don't touch it. Why? Because things are going to happen. So you put $1,000 aside and then you pay off your debts from little to largest and cut everything you can. The other day I sat with this couple and, um, and they were struggling financially and uh, they were trying to figure out how to make ends meet. And I'm talking to the guy and he bought a brand new truck. And I said, how much is your truck payment? $750 a month. I'm like, oh my gosh, more than his rent. And I'm like, that's the epitome of living for the moment. I'm like, have you ever thought about the fact that you could get rid of your truck? He's like, oh no, I've dreamt about having this truck. I'm like, but you're in debt. And he's like, it was a blessing from the Lord. I said, no, it wasn't. <laughs> it seems that that was a curse, not a blessing. Because you're not making it. But a lot of us, we don't think, oh, can we get rid of a car payment? I don't know, you decide. Now, a car payment isn't always bad. Uh, Dave Ramsey would say it's bad. By the way, we have, uh, we have Scott Musgraves who's gonna lead us through four weeks of a study on how to manage your finances. And you guys could, you guys, um, and this would be done in a life group setting so you can meet with him after and he'll give you all the details. And I think Alpha's partnering with him, right? Yeah, so that we're gonna just learn finances and how to have this thing called a budget. But cut everything you can. Do whatever you can to get out of debt. And then scripture says, after that, have three to five months of wages in savings. It's huge. That's just a good principle to have. And then you live on the rest. 
But some of you are like, I can't live on 80% of my, of my earnings. But I think that's a mentality that needs to go away. Why? Because we don't want to become a slave to the lender. And do you see how this is so much more than tithing? You see how God wants us to have guardrails so that we do experience freedom in our lives? God's like, I don't want you to be tied up. I want you to be generous, and I want you to experience the abundant life that I have for you. And God says, I want you to take control of your life and change your perspective on money. Why? Because it's only in doing it God's way that we're able to move into the promise. We give to God, we save, and then we live on the rest. And then we pay as we go. Instead of charging something, you see something that you like, guess what? You're going to get something without interest. You have a dream car, that's okay, save up for it. What would it look like to come to the dealership with $10,000 in your hand and say, you know what, I'm actually going to walk away with a deal. It's $12,000, but I'll give you $10,000 in cash. Money speaks, right? And you don't have to pay interest any longer. But we don't think that way. And maybe it's not a car that you're trying to save for. Maybe it's a ring. Elbows right now. <laughs> Brian laughs. Guys, please do me a favor. Do not go into a debt trying to get a wedding ring. You're starting marriage backwards. I'm just saying. You ladies are like, oh my gosh, then I'm never going to get married. No, that's not true. Save for it. Save for it. And that's the freedom that God wants you to have. But this freedom actually started, us being debt-free, actually started on the cross. It really did. That was the life that Jesus said, man, I'm going to pay all of your debts. The debts that you couldn't pay for yourself. Look at what it says in Colossians 2.13. When you were dead in your transgressions and your sins, in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him having forgiven us all of our transgressions or our sins, he canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Jesus paid a price for us that we couldn't pay for ourselves. If you're in here tonight, maybe finances wasn't your thing. You came here hurting. I want you to know that God not only died for our sin, but he died to heal us of our hurt. He understands your pain. He understands what you're going through. And he desires us to have guardrails in every area of our lives. Why? Because every area of our lives matters to God. And he wants you on a path to freedom. He wants you to live on the blessing and not the curse, and he has this incredible plan for you, but it only starts when you understand what Jesus did for you. And you need to get out of the mindset that God wants something from you. Because what he wants from you is your heart. And the only thing that you and I can actually offer to the Lord that we, he didn't first give us is our sin. We come before him understanding that he forgave us of all our sin when he died on the cross, understanding that this life that he has for us is incredible and there's no way that you and I could experience it outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ. He says guardrails aren't meant to constrict you, they're meant to make you free. They're meant to give you life and life in abundance because that's the heart that I have towards you and the plan that I have for you that you would live a life of freedom because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, the Bible tells me. 
There's so much freedom. And I know with the, room of the, uh, with the room this size, a lot of us aren't walking in freedom. You're not walking in the blessing of knowing Jesus and walking with him, knowing that he's for you, that he gave everything so that you and I could have a relationship with him. But a lot of us still feel like we're a foot underwater because we haven't learned to walk in the grace of Jesus Christ. And I don't know if you caught on to this. When you come to Christ, he not only forgives you, he makes you a brand new person. Forgiveness is necessary. Repentance is so beautiful. It's when you understand that you were living a life away from God, then all of a sudden you're like, oh my goodness, this heavenly father's for me. You turn away and you turn to God and you begin to experience life in abundance because you put your faith in him. That's what it means to repent. It's actually a beautiful word. It means that you and I could change. Jesus never came to this earth to start another religion. He never came uh, 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 to this earth so that we would uh, live uh, on, a, on a checklist, that we would live by all these rules confined. He said, no, 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 I came to start a movement of freedom in people's lives. That, that people from every nation and every tongue would know that there's a heavenly father that's for them that moved heaven and earth and walked on this earth and he became human and lived among us and taught us what the new way was. And he made a brand new covenant and said, you know what, this is the way that I want you to live. It's not about religion. It's about freedom. It's about abundance. And the only way that anyone could experience this is by, by what I'm about to do on the cross. He, he lived a life that had no sin, yet he was crucified for our sin. He made his way down the Via Dolorosa, carrying a cross where they brutally beat him and spit on him and tore his flesh apart something he chose for you and for me so that you and I would see how ugly and how dirty sin actually is. And he hung there, and while he was hanging there, he still cried out these words, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. While hanging on the cross, still praying on behalf of all humanity, they're ignorant, Lord, they have no idea what they're doing but I'm still gonna choose the cross because he knew that 2,020 years later, there would be people on a Thursday night hearing this message of freedom. And the Bible actually says it was the joy that was set before him that made him endure the cross. You know what that joy was? That joy was you and me. Why? Because the Bible says there's more joy in heaven when one person comes to faith in Jesus Christ. That was the joy that he was accomplishing something for you and I that we couldn't do for ourselves. If you haven't caught on, God wants you and I to live an incredible, an incredible life with him. So tonight, I don't know where you're at in your faith. Maybe you were invited by a friend and you're like, man, I didn't come here to hear about finances, but you're here, you're learning about a heavenly father that loves you and is for you. Tonight, I wanna give you an opportunity to open up your heart to this heavenly father that desires relationship with you. Maybe you're a Christ follower or you're a Christian and you're not close to Jesus today, for some reason you're far away from him and you're not experiencing him in a close way. Tonight is your, your, uh, your time to come back to the Lord and say, you know what, I'm in, Lord. I wanna obey everything that you've told me. I wanna be able to position myself for everything that you have for me so that I can experience intimacy with you tonight. Maybe you're in here tonight and you've never been baptized by your own choice. 
Tonight's gonna be for you as well. But what I'd like to do is I'd like to pray with you. Father, I praise you and thank you for everyone that's in here. I ask Jesus that you would stir in all of the people's hearts tonight. God, I pray that you would bring incredible freedom to those that are hurting, to those that have had a victim mentality because of the things that have been done to them. I pray that tonight they would know they no longer have to be a victim, that they could be free tonight, God, because that's what you want for them. I pray, God, for those that um, are experiencing incredible heartbreak, God, that, that you would truly draw near to them. You promised to draw near to the brokenhearted, God. I pray they would sense you in a real special way tonight, God, that they would know that you see them and that you're for them. God, I pray for those that came here and they've fallen into uh, what we call a lukewarm faith where they're not in uh, 100%, but they're not out 100%. God, I pray that tonight you would bring conviction by the power of your Holy Spirit and that people would truly, truly just be responsive to who you are. And I pray, God, that they would come back to their first love and that you would give them the courage to have that boldness to say no more playing games, no more playing church, but that they would truly stand in awe of you and stand into a relationship, in, in, in a relationship with you, God. I pray for those that have never experienced you through baptism, God, that you would stir in their hearts and give them the courage to be able to make that decision to experience that with you tonight. Right now, with everyone's eyes closed, if you're right with God, do me a favor and pray for those around you. If you're not in a relationship with Jesus Christ, or if you wanna come back to him, or maybe you wanna get baptized, then I wanna pray with you. But I also wanna know who's praying with me. So do me a favor, if tonight you wanna get right with God, whether it's for the first time or if you wanna come back to him, or if you wanna get baptized, just raise your hand right where you're seated so that I know that you're praying with me. Praise God for you and for you and for you. I'm gonna give it a few more seconds. Just raise your hand and praise God for you right here. Praise God for you. Praise God for you. Wow, all over the room. I'm gonna give it a few more seconds. If that's you, just raise your hand right where you're at. Actually, why don't we do this? Let's just stand to our feet if you're giving your life to Christ tonight. Just stand to your feet right where you're at. I know it's gonna take courage for a lot of you guys to stand up. There's people all over the building. Just stand up right now. Let's praise God for everyone that's taking the step of faith. Right now, if that's you, come on, have some courage and stand up right where you're at. All around the building. You know what, guys? Let's do this. We haven't done this in a while. I'm gonna, we're gonna go into a time of worship right now. And if God's stirring in your heart and you feel like you need to make a decision or maybe maybe you feel like your heart's gonna pop out of your chest, what I'd like you to do, if you wanna grab a friend, grab a friend. If you uh, wanna grab the person that's right next to you, grab the person right that's right next to you. What I want you to do is let go of your seat, make your way to an aisle and come up here to the front and just wait here because I wanna pray with you. But something happens when you make this decision public. You're gonna sense the Lord meet you right where you're at something happens. So right now, let's stand up. Let's worship God. And if you want to give your life to Christ, just come up here to the front and praise God for those that come.